The views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston-clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Good morning, Southern Arizona and the rest of you out there in cyberspace. Welcome to the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here in beautiful Tucson on ESPNTucson.com. 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, along with me riding shotgun and my buddy, Jim Mooney, Frontier Towing. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, everybody out there in cyberspace. Remember... I'm on the radio with Jerry this morning. That makes it a super safe Saturday. Super safe Saturday means no drinking, no driving, no texting. Eyes on the road, hands on the wheels. Get home safe today. Work on your cars. Remember, use your jack stands on your cars and disconnect the batteries. Don't do something stupid. (laughs) Or try not to, anyways. Try not to do anything stupid today, in other words. Yeah, try not to. Let's, let's, let's try not to. Tell them how you really feel. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> good morning, Jimbo. Uh, good we have researched, I have researched electric vehicles until my hair, my hair hurts. Uh, and it's a big deal in the auto R&D, research and development. So everybody, everything is a it's a hot number now. It's a hot ticket. Everybody's looking at them, but the more you look, the more you find. So be careful in your selections for your little electric vehicles. And you know, and I said all that to say this. You know, the one the one that kind of shocked the heck out of me. Of course, I have to follow recalls because I've got to know what's going on. Ford. Mark E. Mustang has got one million. Hang on, let me get this right now. One million one hundred and seventy-five thousand two hundred uh, two twenty. Well, Mustangs recalled one million. And for all of you, before your brains fall out out there, uh, it's because of the rear axles are not holding up. And they say it's a manufacturing problem. 
other words, they made junk axles and put them in behind a heavy horsepower, heavy torque. Um, it's kind of like what NASCAR had with the rear independent suspension when they first started out. It's too much horsepower, and the drivers had to actually learn how to put the uh, power to the ground, not not their normal way where you just burn them off. <laughs> so that's 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 the big one that I spotted. It kind of disappointed me because I thought, you know, they've got this thing all figured out. They probably do. They just haven't got the powertrain big enough to support the heavy horsepower. And uh understand that the new charger that they've got out, the 2023 charger, it's all electric. Uh They're having a couple of issues with that. Or the police department has those, and they're not too impressed with them right now. I don't know. The article didn't get too in-depth, um, but it's probably because of the idling, the continual idling that most of your patrol officers do. And that just sucks the battery down, and you don't realize just just what you're doing to it. So haven't figured that one out yet. But everything is R&D, research and development. Let's put these things out as fast as we possibly can, and we'll clean them up later. Well, that's what's going on. You know, you know. It's funny have you heard any more about? It's, it's funny. Go you ahead about the electric. Oh, about the electric car differentials. Um, I was sitting with the truck guys, and the truck guys have the exact same issue. They're on the on new heavy haul trucks, class eight trucks. They're breaking differentials left and right. This differentials bring in pinions, axles. They can't keep them together in the truck. Because the horsepower or the torque on the uh, from the electric motor is so instant, it just it snaps the ring and pinion. So don't think it's just the car lines; it's everybody, and it's it's the application. They assume they could take uh, a regular internal combustion engine uh, suspension and drivetrain and hook it to electric, and because of the because of the way they work, it's slightly different. I know torque is torque, but it's it's how torque is applied is what the problem is, and they run into the yep. same exact problem. They're 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 looking at uh, they were telling me that um, Dana, which is the primary uh, uh, truck axle manufacturer, is looking on a redesign for their for the electric vehicle axles. So, just because. Ford has the issue, or Char- or Dodge. They they're all running into the same problem. So it's, it's interesting you said well, that. I thought that was really good. Well, I thought it was kind of amazing that um, you know, as long as they've been making, of course, they've been putting wheels on vehicles for a long time too, and they can't even get that right now. <laughs> so you know, it, it it's darn if you do and darn if you don't, but. I did go in to car uh, recalls. Oh my lord! If you if you have a new vehicle, it's probably got a recall on it. What you want to do if you you know if you're like me, you're just naturally curious and want to find out what's going on. Go ahead and go to National Highway Transportation Safety Authority. Put your VIN number in and see if there's a recall on it yet and i was just i cannot get the amount of recalls in on a two-hour program that's how many is on the market 
I mean, they're, it's just astronomical. And I'm going, okay, well, I don't know if it's a vendor. I don't know what the problem is. They don't either, evidently. So when you're buying these new cars, and it's not just American made, it's Hyundai, Kia, uh, Volkswagen. Uh, you're, if it rolls on four wheels and it's made in 2021 and 22, it probably has a recall on it. Somewhere, somewhere down the line. But it also has a whole lot of technical service bulletins that goes with it. So what you're fighting is trying to keep up with the information flow as it comes to us, and it's it's just about as close to impossible as it can be to stay on top of it and get this get this information to you. But anyway, you know, life goes on. It's a beautiful morning in Tucson, Arizona, six to four degrees when I got up and went down to feed my animals. And I thought, boy, that's pretty cool. That, that's literally pretty cool out there this morning. It'll probably turn to crap by about noontime, but <laughs> it was hot earning a son of a gun yesterday. But it's it, if weather is the only thing I've got to worry about right now or ag- irritate me right now, it's going to really have to ramp up to outdo what I'm finding is going is going on or not going on in the automotive industry. I just can't believe this stuff. Uh, Jim, do you know that Volvo now is putting their 18-wheeler electric in production? And that's yeah. the big Volvo truck? Right. Uh, one of the manufacturers having so, issues with drivetrains. <laughs> yeah. So when are you going to buy your electric truck? Um. Well, the problem with electric trucks for us is that um, we never know where we're going to go or what we're going to do. So unlike, you know, Amazon or FedEx, who has a specific route, a little tough for us to know, mm-hmm. you know, where exactly where we're going to wind up. So electric is not really an application that we can that we can lean on just yet. When they come up with the hot swap uh-huh. truck, I, I'd like to see that, you know, where I because, you know, your electric drill, how many batteries do you have for your electric drill? Four, five? Two. You know, two? How, how, what, what, well, what two, two that work. The others are already two shot. That, huh? Imagine that. Two that work and the rest are jug. <laughs> so, so, well, so you have two so that I when you... Yeah. You don't... So, but you have one charged up, and then when when that goes dead, you take the other one off and you plug it in and you charge the other one, correct? So that you can continue to use your right. drill. So, yeah. if they hot swap battery on the car, or you know, some of course, like there's a plethora of of technical challenges that would go with that. But at least you could have your battery sitting at home charging all day, and then you could, you could come home at night and and hot and 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 swap it out and go on. I mean, it's it's a cool, neat idea. It's probably not very practical, but it's a neat idea, anyways. <laughs> if they're going to make a car battery like that, battery like that, they need to put it on a tray or something like that, where you push a button and it hands it to you. Of course, that's going to be electric, so you got a dead battery. That's not going to work. And the batteries only weigh about fifty pounds. So, and you reach over in the engine compartment and pull them out, or or you Google battery location in a 2020 whatever 
in order to find the battery, then you can change it out. But yeah, the the battery, car batteries, believe it or not, uh, most people, that thing is constantly charging when you're driving it because it's always sitting there going dead when you're not driving it because of the uh, parasitic draws on it and the the keep alive, all the instruments and uh, modules and stuff. So, but it's not uncommon. If you're gonna if you're gonna drive one or if you're gonna park that son of a gun in the in the garage and take off on a month vacation around the country or something like that with another RV or whatever you're driving, it's not a bad idea to put you a little trickle charger on that battery that's left at home and let that thing sit there and build up. Um, they're here. Uh, I think a couple of years ago I read an article on a BMW that was left at the parking lot at the airport for two weeks, and the guy come back and the battery was dead. And it wasn't anything wrong with the car. It just has so many electric uh, components in it that stay alive when your car is parked that they had a problem with them. I mean, it was just, it wasn't a real problem if you'd had a, you know, some kind of charging system on it. But that's where you'll see a lot of these motorhomes now that have, uh, Solar panels, uh, solar charging on the batteries when you're out and rolling so that it helps keep everything up and going and keeping batteries going down, being such a pain in the butt. But it is amazing. I I did see the the picture the other day of of the Tesla. Now, a lot of the Teslas, believe it or not, have trailer hitches on them. I guess that you can pull a small cart around. I saw the picture where the one ingenious fellow, he made a little platform to plug into his trailer hitch, and on the platform was a little haunted generator with gas cans. I guess he was going right. to make sure he he had sustained charging wherever he went. <laughs> so, I mean, Well, I like kinda, that. I guess that's the, the ingenious <laughs> hybrid, right? <laughs> that's, that's plan two. That's plan, plan two. two. So, well... And the question you ask yourself is: Does it? Can you charge it while you're driving down the road, or you got to pull over and stop and, and charge it, or you know, can you just leave it plugged in? Can you tape the cord to the side of the car and and, and charge it up as you go, or you got to stop, pull over, and, and turn the car off and put it in charging? You know, let it charge. I mean, it, they they charge regenerative through regenerative braking, so. I thought it was kind of interesting, you know. He wasn't going to get caught with a with a bad, you know, with a charging charging station that wouldn't work. So he he had his little generator, little Honda generator, and like three or four gallons of gas on on his on, on his back platform. So, you know, I guess yep. that, like you said, that's yep. that's the ultimate hybrid. <laughs> uh, another thing. Oh, I've I've got a couple of tickets, two family four packs of tickets for called one and two. For Tucson Speedway tonight, they've got the pro truck. I mean, they got the trucks, NASCAR trucks, and the pro stocks out there. So it'll be a good race. Gates open at uh, 5, 5 o'clock. Racing starts at 6.30. Two tickets, 520-719-1490 for the first two callers. That's my two tickets for this hour, and I'll have two more family four-packs the second hour. First hour... 520-719-1490, two family four-packs to Tucson Speedway today. 
Racing at 5 p. Uh, gates open 5 p.m. Racing at 6:30. Trucks and pro stocks plus they got a couple other little divisions in there. Um, now on, I noticed something the other night as it seemed like the days are getting slightly shorter now, and in the mornings when people are moving around, uh, it it's still a little dark out there. Please turn on your headlights. The ones of you that don't have the automatics that go with a uh, light sensor on it, turn on your headlights, and for goodness gracious alight, inspect your brake lights and your tail lights, and do that. I do that about once every 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 time you think about it or make yourself think about it. Write it down on a piece of paper or put it in your cell phone. Check lights, because the other night I was coming in. It wasn't that late. It was dark enough where you couldn't see the other cars, though. And coming up behind them, it looked like you're coming up behind a motorcycle parked in the right-hand lane. And it wasn't. It was a late model, like a 2018 or 19, that actually had a tail light out on the left side. And it also had the one brake light out above the deck, you know, the third brake light. You need to check these things because that is a very, very safety issue that is the communication between that car and you the person following it that's how you communicate at night is most of the time with the lights that's the reason we turn signals on and they're supposed to work and that tells me what you're going to do in front of me and it tells tells you what i plan on doing in front of in front of you and it's just, I, I seen more light bulbs out, and I wasn't driving that far. I had about maybe seven miles to go. And in seven miles, I spotted three different vehicles that had either a tail light out or turn signal light out. Well, they probably didn't use a turn signal, but um, they just, they didn't have things working with their light system on these cars. And at night, uh, traffic is kind of heavy. In the winter time here, because we have the uh, winter visitors coming in, and it's something that you need to be on top of before you actually need them. I mean, it, I mean, lights are supposed to be needed all the time, but before you have a panic stop, and all of a sudden you don't have any brake lights, and it, it's just so pay attention, get that stuff done. The safety, it is a safety issue, and it's something that you need to pay attention to. All right, we have. Go ahead. That's good to do. That's that's really good to do because when you're when you check your brake lights and you find that they're not working, it may not be the bulb. It could be the connection. And one of the one of the things when you pull that the lights out, you get to see the overheated connection that's you know, typical of a Ford or a Chevy. Things burnt to the ground. Um, at least that's the way mine are. Um, or, mm-hmm. or, you know, a connection that's just nasty, dirty, and corroded, which will let you look at all the other connections that are in there, too. So sometimes it's not just the light bulb. Sometimes it's, it's actually the connection that goes on. It gives you a little little insight to what's going on with the car. So if you can see one side is bad, you can probably bet pretty sure that the other side's not far behind it. So if you could check one and find out you got a bunch of corrosion in there, go to the other side, too. Clean them out, get get the corrosion off, get the... Get the rust out of there. You know, put a little dab of of, uh, of um, what was it uh, dielectric or white white uh, yep. lithium grease on dielectric there. Work. and yeah, and then 
That, that, and then it gives you, you know, or you might have a wire that's rubbed. Maybe you, maybe the lights out because a wire is rubbed. Remember, they're cars. You know, things shake. They, they bump up and down, and and insulation moves and gets cut, and you know, could cause, you know, just it's just little things like that that can cause a lot of headache later when you're trying to figure out a problem and you find out that the turn signal's out, you know, and the turn signal out, you know, caused some other issue. So it's really good when you see those things, like Jerry says. It's super important on the safety side, but it also is a good maintenance thing because you're allowed to check that um, any other problems that might be that might be coming up that you just didn't know about. Kind of like going to the dentist. Oh, by the way, you have three cavities today, and you thought you only had one. So Jerry's favorite place to go. That's to right. <laughs> That's exactly right, buddy. That's exactly right. Uh Getting back and touching just lightly on the recalls, Toyota 2022, they've been known for a, almost a perfect brand for a long time, and everybody's real hot on them because they had a 1972 that's still running. Uh, 2022, Toyota Tundra, which is one of the popular uh, half-ton trucks on the market, and a 2000. And 22 Lexus NX, their recall for parking brakes. And I'm going, okay. And that's for the 2022 Tundra and the 2022 Lexus NX for the same recall for parking brakes. And then my wife will argue that uh, the Lexus is not a Toyota. I can go, okay. <laughs> So, <laughs> don't argue. Don't argue. Wash. You lose. It, it it has lock washers. It, it's a Toyota with lock washers. It ha Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have a 2022 Audi RS3 with airbag issues. Airbag issues is still on the market for just about. Oh my God! I mean, it was up in the millions. And so if you have a car that has a, a – and you have ever seen an airbag recall, <coughs> take it in or or go ahead and put the number in and go to National Highway Transportation Safety Authority and find out <coughs> what the problem is or if your car has a recall because about – 30% of the vehicles running out there have a re active recall on it and it hadn't been addressed. Those you don't want, don't want to mess with. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> ah. All right, here we go. Uh, General Motors, Escalade, Suburban, Yukon, and other SUVs. They have a recall on them. Um, and you need to go to the same place, National Highway Transportation Safety Authority. I've had to abbreviate a lot of this stuff because I run out of paper on my spiral notebook to write this stuff down. Uh, of course, now I've already hit the Mach-E uh, problem that they've got. And also 2021 Fusion. F-150 recalls, 
seat belt safety issue now on the Fusion and the F-150. And I'm thinking, okay, we've got an F-150 out there that they couldn't put the wheels on it. And now we've got an F-150 that they don't seat belt. It has a, may have an issue. And you just, you scratch in your head and you say, Lord, have mercy, what's going on? Hyundai and Kia, 280,000 SUVs over fire risk. And people, you need, if you have these vehicles, you need to call in and make sure that you're not there. That, um, Let's see what else they said. They actually say uh, they're telling the owners, and that's written down, park them outside away from buildings, and they've got the Hyundai Palisade, 245,000 of those are being recalled. The Kia Telluride, 36,417 are being recalled. And on the... Kia, they're saying that from contaminating printed circuit, printed circuits, and it could be caused by moisture and or foreign materials. In other words, dirt and crap in there. May short the circuit, which is the printed circuit board, leading to a hitch ignition Within the car is uh, hard to read my own handwriting. Within the car, whether it's in use or not, that's when you make that call to National Highway Safety uh, Transportation Authority with the VIN number and find out if you've got this vehicle. This is not, I mean, because you don't know when it's going to happen, if it's going to happen, but you need to know what to do. And if they got a recall on it, they've got they should have the parts in stock. It will cost you nothing to get it fixed. So just follow that real close. Um, Ford, they've I, Lord have mercy. I, I begin to wonder. I'm really, in fact, Ford's number one priority now is quality first. That's what they've had to go to. Uh, they've got insulators. They got a, on the Ford, the 2022. They got 58,000 Ford trucks recalled because the heat and noise insulations may come loose, making contact with the drive shaft and cause it to fracture. For most people out there that don't know what a drive shaft is, that's what hooks your powertrain up to the differentials, at, whether it be front or rear. It's still a differential, and it can cause a problem there. Uh, it, it, I, you know, and I cut it off there. That's enough for one show. Jim, you got anything that you'd like to pass on in the bigger trucks, or any information for the eighteen wheelers and the guys driving out there with these things? Uh. The number one thing we see right now is still death-related issues. So in, in big truck land, it's it's death, D-rates, um, low power, uh, shutdowns because the because the death system is either not functioning due to the the pump heater fuel gauge mechanism or the the system that puts the death into the exhaust is corroded. 
Um, so there's a there's a little nozzle. It's even on on the pickup trucks too. And there's a little nozzle that sprays death into your catalytic converter, or they call it particulate can on a on a truck, and they get corroded. The corrosion basically is like a growth. It grows over. Like imagine just like you know, um, um, carbon in a cylinder. I mean, it, it happens every single day, and so the less less death hits the the um, the particulate can. The sensors read that there's that there's a differential a pressure differential issue, and boom, shut down you go. So, uh, and as as we've been running death now for the last ten years, but heavily since fifteen, the um, the maintenance of death systems is really challenging, really tough, and that's. A, a real struggle for guys today, and they and when that when that thing turns off, you know you're five miles you're five miles an hour, no throttle, and to the shoulder you go. That's all you can do. So um, those are those are a lot of things we see, and and a lot of a lot of problems with people getting the the heat the death pump heater fuel gauge system. So those are the as far as recalls. I haven't seen any recalls on them. Just just that the they probably won't recall them. Why recall them? You should buy a new one. It's commercial. You get to buy a new one. We don't warranty anything on a commercial truck. Just buy a new one. So. Uh, now, there was, rumor, there was rumors out here a while back because my truck has the DEF system on it, too. I call it DEF system because after they guaranteed me in writing in the book that I will will have to replace my exhaust system within the first, well, within 100,000 miles. Well, I've got, uh, I I have an in, uh, extended warranty, bumper to bumper for 100,000 miles. So I've already paid for the DEF system. That was $3,400 to get that extended, by the way, on the diesel. And um, when I look at that, and I look at the, uh, they, somewhere along the line, somebody should make, or has made, no, they haven't. Uh, they should come up with something that can go in the DEF, D-E-F, diesel uh, exhaust fluid. They, they, they should have something in there that will keep these things clean. Uh, understand that little module that fires off the uh, DEF. You know, it's got an extra, uh, GM has an extra spark plug, or it looks like a spark plug. That actually fires that thing off, and they go bad. And there's just so much anymore on these cars because everybody's trimmed them back that can go bad. And then you have a barrage of electronic failures and computer updates where they reprogram the computer. A lot of them, a lot of them are just reprogramming a computer will correct this stuff. Remember when Ford come out with the exhaust system that was setting fires coming out of the tailpipe because it was burning flames out of the tailpipe like a race car? Well, that was a computer problem. Dodge had one come out where the turbochargers weren't working correctly and causing a lot of havoc. That turned out to be a program in the computer, so they fixed that. There is a boatload of stuff going on with these automobiles. They're pretty they run good. They get some good fuel economy while they're running. Um, and I'm just, I'm just a little bit. 
I'm a little bit put out. I think that they're trying to push everything to the market too quick without doing due diligence and making sure that everything is on like it's supposed to. You know, take your time, reset all your parameters on these robotics that you're building these cars with. If you're doing it once a week, maybe you need to do it twice a week. But somebody's got to come up with a plan to make these things better. You know, I've heard all the advertisements about how great these vehicles are, and it that's a big influence because we listen to stuff like that. And, oh, wow. And the reason I think we listen to it is because we have either having problems with the one we're driving or we're going to have problems with the one we're driving because everything keeps popping up. We keep getting these notices in the mail saying we're recalling your board or we're recalling your Dodge or recalling your Chevy. And <clears throat> it's just something that I'm tired of dealing with, actually. The other thing is the top-tier fuels. Getting some questions about top-tier fuels. And, oh, if I get a top-tier fuel, top-tier fuel, does that mean I get, I'm get i getting more octane in the fuel? Nope. That just means you're getting more additive in the fuel. The difference between a top-tier fuel and the regular fuel is the government has a minimum base additive that needs to be updated by about 20 years. <clears throat> and it's because the the additives that they go into these better de, better fuel delivery systems and don't get me wrong they're they're better than they ever been but now they're firing at multiple times per cylinder you don't have any room in there for garbage and so when a car all your car manufacturers that I know of now for the late models <clears throat> are recommended top tier fuels for their their vehicles and People are thinking that a top-tier fuel means premium fuel. If you have a car that requires premium fuel, it'll say it in the owner's manual. And when it says premium fuel, that's exactly what it means. It means the higher octane fuel, which is about a 97 now. They, don't, they no longer have the 103 that we used to get to run race cars on. Uh, I'm sure some stations still have it. It's called race a uh, race gas and it's about ten dollars a gallon so you probably won't buy that and that is just higher octane <clears throat> it is a waste of money if you have a regular burning car that has low compression that you can get away with running uh 86 80 86 84 86 somewhere in that range and it is a range then you don't waste your money going for the higher octane because it's just a waste of money. And the people say, well, if I run higher octane, it's going to burn cleaner. Yeah, if you've got a, a, a higher octane car, like a lot more compression, but now they've got the computer system can actually change the compression in the cylinders. 14.1 used to be the ratio uh, in the cars. And now they've got it to where it'll go up to 25, 26 to 1 because it's leaned it out. And it does it all by computer. And when it needs additional compression in the cylinders to run, and a lot of your cars that require premium fuel have just that, they've got, uh, well, they do now. 
it didn't used to. But they adjust the compression to compensate for the higher uh, octane ratings. So you read your owner's manual. I know it's boring, uh, but read that owner manual, owner's manual and stay with it. So, Jim, you got anything you want to add to that? As far as uh, hmm. owner's manuals? <laughs> no, as if far as anything one. I just said. <laughs> if, 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 huh? if you could read the owner if you could read the owner's manual um good luck <laughs> i try i try to read my owner's manual sometimes and i i i get lost but um well, Tell the truth and go to sleep huh <clears throat> what what do they have do they have a premium diesel fuel I mean, do they no. have a diesel fuel no. that's like higher, top tier or something? No, they, there's there, no, there's just diesel fuels, diesel fuel. They are, you can put additives in it like cetane cleaners, just you know. But there's not right. like an well, there's an octane to diesel, but not like gas, and it doesn't it doesn't work like gas. Cetane, cetane, um, cetane. You know what I said, cetane. Uh, as far as as far as um. Uh, as far as um, higher octane gas in a, in a regular car, you're right. You're just wasting your money. Throwing, you're throwing it away. There's, it doesn't do any good whatsoever. Now, that being said, you know you can run your you can run your your E85s if your car will is equipped to take E85. Don't do it if your not car is not equipped to take E85. It gets nice and clean. But uh, as far as diesel goes. The only thing you really got to worry about diesels. I mean, if you, I mean, we can run bios. There's a little bit of difference with bios. Is the algae in the fuel? The algae is what what wipes you out in in a diesel truck. And that algae sits in the bot in the water that accumulates in the bottom of a diesel tank. And when when that out al- when that algae gets into your fuel system, you're replacing fuel filters every literally every mile. It, they it, it's really bad. But um, that's one of the problems with with the trucks is they you know it's it's diesel it's a it's a dirty fuel. You could run kerosene, a um, lot more. It's cleaner, but it's a lot more expensive. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, that'd be. <laughs> I don't think you'd want to do that. So, but it's good for the fuel system. It's 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 super clean. But um, well, the no, one I'm waiting on is for them to get. Get it adapted so you can run hydrogen. Well, you can run, run hydrogen. R- run the hydrogen. Yeah. You can run hydrogen. There's just no. It's just like a bad electric battery. There's just no good way to store hydrogen. You have to have the the leak factor on hydrogen is so high. Permeation occurs through tanks, lines, systems that it just it's re- just really challenging because it's one single molecule. Not like it's not a complex molecule chain. It's one single molecule, and it leaks through everything. I mean, but it run, but it runs, it runs fantastic. It's clean. Now it doesn't it, because you're burning it with air and not oxygen. You get a little bit of of inert gases that come out because air is nitrogen and oxygen and some other gases. So you don't get a hundred percent clean burn. Um, like if you were burning it with straight oxygen, but it works great. It's just challenging. It's just challenging. 
I, I would say that I would venture to say that with the push for electric, um, so I'll, I'll, I'll let me I'll dive off here for one second. I read an article the other day about a a uh, about electric in the commercial vehicle applications, and the guy who wrote the article writes for the Fleet magazines, and he prefaced the article by saying that he was 100% a believer in global warming. He believed in climate change. He believed that everything that we're doing on the planet is wrong and cars are bad. That being said, even he said electric isn't good for commercial vehicles. So a guy who believes that we should run electric on everything else and we, should, we shouldn't even use any power plants or anything says electric trucks aren't the right way to go. So when somebody like that who is already on the is already in the on the side of hey gasoline is the worst thing on the planet and we're we're polluting the planet doesn't think the electric fits the the truck market or the vehicle market mm, that's probably going to lend us to pushing towards something like a hydrogen which is oh, tons and tons billions trillions of dollars worth of investment if they got it right, it would it would work really well. Get over some stigma on it, you know. It's not it's not the Hindenburg. I'm gonna blow up. <laughs> but but uh, if it, they got it, if they got it to where the infrastructure was there and the the vehicles would run like a top. Well, I, I hope they get the infrastructure have, down. Have you ever seen a car run on hydrogen, Jerry? No. I was at a demonstration a long time ago, and it was um, they demoed a uh, it was an old Chevy, and they converted it with a with like a, it was a pseudo propane setup, and so they had the propane, um, uh, you know, like a propane cylinder, and they'd use the the propane uh, fueling system. So it was the diaphragm um, that ran into the intake manifold. Um, and they, what they do is they, they modified it slightly for, um, for hydrogen. With the, with the, now, mind you, this is before distributed ignitions. This was still carburetors and, and HEIs, right? Long time ago. Um, so they, uh, I, the guy had this, he demoed it, and what they had done is they, had, they slightly advanced the, the timing because, well, the car was probably, it was a V8, you know, 305 or 350, probably, you know, 8 or 9 to 1. wasn't anything crazy. But the, they advanced the timing so that because of the pre-ignition. So they, they had to back it up a little bit to make it, to make it work right. Um, other than that, it ran smooth and had the same power as gas. It was very, very interesting. And as they sat there and, and did it, they said, look, and then they showed, they said, Here, here's where the problems were. And it was, you know, they were using regular hoses and stuff. They were showing how, where the, where the leaks occur in every connection and every, on every, through every hose. This is, and this is the problem with hydrogen. And so though, not to say that those challenges can't be overcome. I mean, if we wanted to do it, we could do it. And I would, you know, I'm, I would bet we can. We just, like I said, Takes a lot of nobody's pushes for it. If we push as hard for hydrogen as we do for electric, we'd have hydrogen cars. Hands down. Well, <clears throat> my my question on the electric. Okay, so the electric really doesn't come free, and so every time I see electric, 
I see, all right, who's supplying the electric? What is the fuel for electric power? And, uh, man, I'm telling you, you just, you go, okay, well, how many windmills do you have to uh, have to uh, motorize or put electric out to over 3 million vehicles in the U.S.? And I'm going, okay, that's going to be a chunk. And I, I haven't, I still, I'm still waiting for the infrastructure to get done. But there's a lot of bugs to be worked out in this. I mean, it's just like anything else. It's just, it's R&D, research and development. And everybody and their brother knows that research and development costs a lot of money to a manufacturer before they can put these things on the road. So I guess that's the reason I'm a little more, I'm, I'm, I'm a, just a little bit more patient than probably the average person because of the amount of research that they have to go in in order to get these conversions done. Now, the other question is we had a call here a couple of months ago about retrofitting. In other words, can we take a regular um, a Mustang and put an electric motor in them? Heck, yeah, you can do it. As long as, your money, as long as your money holds out, you can put about anything anywhere you want. Now, when you get it in, uh, and I have seen a converted a little mini truck that had electric put in it, and it was pretty clean. And I asked the guy how long it took him to do it, and he said a year and a half. And I said, so it was slightly expensive. He said it was almost cost prohibited. I could have bought another truck less than I have doing the conversion. However, it runs on electric. And with everybody coming out with a, a, a new Gidget, a new gadget to keep these things running, it'll get a little better. But the thing is, as we're seeing a lot of fire issues with them, and of course, you, you know, you let an electric vehicle catch on fire, and boy, I'm going to tell you something, it's national news, just like that. But yet, you can sit down and burn a car down in the middle of the road, it's got gasoline on it, nobody gets excited about it. <laughs> The difference is we're used to burning them down with gasoline. We're not used to burning them down with electric. But um, very true. It's just there's That's a lot of true. just a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. But everybody, let's don't let's don't get too excited about this. And if you buy an electric vehicle, you still have to remember that you know that seventy five hundred dollars that you're going to get from the federal government uh, for. Me and Jim's tax dollars, your tax dollars, and all of this, you know, they say, well, you know, we get a $7,500. You get it from the taxpayers. Okay, the federal government does not, well, of course, they're printing money right now, but uh, they're, just, they're just printing money. The money back up and who actually pays this is the taxpayers. So when you get this money and then you go to trade that car and they do a blue book value on it, and all of a sudden it's, it's blue book. Oh, yeah, we forgot to take your $7,500 off. So you lose a lot of money on that car when it goes from new to used, which is when you drive it off the lot. And then if you decide you don't like it, you get ready to trade it in again. You probably won't be in such a hurry to trade it in when you find out how much you've already lost. So do it's like anything else. Anytime you buy a vehicle, do the math on it. You know, you need to know what the actual cost of that vehicle is from the original registration on it to the renewal registration to the insurance that you're going to have to cover this brand new car. 
or new vehicle after you've been driving a 15-year-old vehicle, and and the cost at the insurance premium then hasn't gone down. It'll stay the same. But your tags, you know, $35 versus $550 or $650. I think my truck was $735. And so it, it, it it's all a player. And if you do the actual cost and then see what kind of fuel mileage that they're supposed to get, and and the fuel mileage, the overall is in town and overall is the number you really need to look at because you'll be driving it both directions. And if you drive it only in town, you're going to get less mileage than you'll get if you drive on a freeway. And the exception to that rule is uh, some of your hybrid vehicles. Uh, there's cars out there made right now little gas burners, little gas savers that'll get better, equal or better than the little hybrids on the road. But that depends on how you drive it. And so it's all in favor of saving gas, raise your right foot, as Brian Fuller would say from Automotive Specialist. And he, it's true. Diesels are the exact same way. If you can run cruise control on the freeway, people, go ahead and run cruise control. Don't run cruise control in increment weather, such as snow and heavy rain. Because in the event that when the tire is turning, that's what the the, uh, cruise control says it's supposed to be doing. So if you run into some slick stuff and you start hydroplaning the It shows that the tires are not rotating at the speed that you're supposed to be at, and it increases the speed on that tire to get you back up to where you're supposed to go when you don't want to go there. So when you're running in bad weather, take that cruise control off and don't crash. But running on dry roads like from here to Phoenix, set the cruise control. And, you know, if everybody else is running 85 miles an hour, Get in the right-hand lane and stay at 75 miles an hour. And that'll be better fuel economy than at 85. So, and I haven't heard any arguments on that one either. And plus, I've tried all this stuff, and I just, I know where it runs at. My diesel truck, I will say, and it's a Dodge, a 218, going to Casa Grande at 75 miles an hour, on cruise control, I got 27.1 mile per gallon. Coming back from Casa Grande with 2,000 pounds in the bed of the truck, additional to that 8,000-pound truck, and running 65 miles an hour with the air conditioning on, I got 26.4 towing that load down the freeway. That is not much of a drop. Now, when I got on down where I had to back it down and, and start accelerating and, and work in traffic, uh, it dropped down to 24, 5, 24, 6, something like that. But I was busy driving and not watching the gas mileage. But the overall trip, which was uh, about 150 miles, it was 23, 23.9, 23.9 overall trip with a 8,000, 9,000, a 10,000-pound truck with that load in it. So it's it's just a matter of don't pump the, the accelerator. I've been I've ridden with people that their sole purpose is to sit there and pump the accelerator. And they said, and when I called attention to it, she said, I'm not pumping it. I said, all you got to do is watch your tachometer. 
Watch your tachometer. That tachometer moves up five or 600 and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. I said, that means that you're, you're, you're putting fuel in it where it doesn't need it. So just let the car do the thing. Keep your foot settled, solid on the pedal and just ease into it, ease out of it, and you'll be happy. You'll be a lot more happier when you pull in the pump. Hey, Jerry. So, hey, Jerry. yeah. Hey, you guys got a caller. Uh, Jesse wants to talk about electric cars. You want to take that call? Yes, sir. Put okay. Jesse on. I'll put him on for you. Good. Jesse, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Jerry. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm glad you finally called in. Well, it's I good to be vertical one some more day and talk to Jerry anyway. Shop, uh, shop talk, but I think, Jerry, one of the important issues when we talk about electric cars, nobody's talking about it, not even the media or politicians. But each and every time a consumer pulls up at the pump for gasoline, they pay 37.4 cents per gasoline tax. A diesel user like yourself, 51.4 diesel tax. And that goes into either the federal or state highway user fund, which then money comes back to the states for a road repair. As I understand it today, when an electric vehicle plugs in, whether the home or, or, or off-site, there's no taxes being collected, so they pay for the road use that, that all consumers pay today at the pump. So here's my recommendation. hope the, there's politicians listening to this, and, and they have a, the, the webos. Uh, to start pushing that when you plug in your car at home, there should be a meter. And that meter then is going to then have a surcharge as a for road, roadway use, but also off-site commercial uses. Like, as I understand, the city of Tucson is about to put uh, uh, quite a few charging stations, but it should be metered this way, the taxes collected, because there's no free lunch for electric cars. You know, as of today, they're not paying the user tax. So why should all of us that are using petroleum fuel now subsidize their use for our roadways? Because look around your neighborhood streets in Tucson and Major Street. Yes, some of the streets are being repaired, but it could be done faster. But everybody got to pay their fair share. So you have an electric car. I don't know why or how somebody could say, no, we don't want to participate because we want to be greener than everybody else. Well, uh, I look at it this way. Uh, they need to do something because some, Arizona at one time, Jess, didn't they have a little, uh, uh, I don't know if it's still there or if they had it or I read it or misread it, but I thought that Arizona, when you got your, um, you paid an additional like $150 a year for your license if you had an electric car. And I don't know if that's true or not. I know in Florida they come up with a uh, road tax on it based on registration. If you pay an- annually, but it's only like 150 bucks, that's still a gonga. Because I'll tell you, I paid that much in a month in, on, on diesel fuel. And well, I, the, I just... Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a quick math on uh, that $0.34... Cents, uh, each time you fill up on a 20-gallon tank, you're, you're paying $7.48 in, in, in the fuel taxes, okay? And so well, that doing the tank. math on that, and imagine on diesel, right? At, at would you say, at 20 gallons times uh, uh, 54.1, then you're paying uh, $108 in taxes, right? 
And so that's what I'm saying. It's got it's got to be an equal amount of fair share that a that you pay if you opt in as an option to have an electric car, then you ought to pay your fair share for the roadway use of our streets are, that are being subsidized by consumers today. Well, that's been a thorn in everybody's butt ever since they come out with the alt fuels. You know, if you run propane, uh, if you run, uh, of course, propane is taxed. And, you know, and they're saying, okay, well, we don't feel like we're getting our share of tax dollar, tax revenues. But I want to know a little bit now about gasoline. What can we expect as a public for gasoline and gasoline prices? They, they're going to, Jerry, they're going to continue to decrease because what's happening here in Arizona is, of course, the majority of fuel gets uh, by the pipeline from the Gulf Coast to El Paso and then shipped to Tucson. Normally it takes about uh, four to five days to get to the Tucson terminals. All the terminals here in Tucson are off of the Ajo and Palo Verde area. These are all operated by Kinder Morgan, which they have storage capacity for all suppliers. All this, all the fuel that comes in is what they call fungible gasoline. Gas is gas. Let nobody tell you that gasoline is different because the only difference is when they put the secret sauce in it, then becomes a, a major brand. I'm not going to list the brand because then I'll get nasty phone calls from uh, different attorneys <laughs> that, that I spoke out of contact. Uh, but, the, but the consumers, uh, by October, when, when major refiners start then changing their blend for winter fuels, then the inventories will be then reduced. Just what happened back in April uh, when, the, when the refineries had to do maintenance or upgrades to the refineries or also uh, do cleaning of the pipeline. <clears throat> this year was, was out of context because it, it took them almost, almost three months to whatever maintenance they had to do uh, at the refineries. And then it impacted uh, Arizona consumers. But come October, that's when prices will then start to inch up again because inventories will be reduced to accommodate the new cleaner burning fuels, this, which is mandated by uh, EPA. Now, in Tucson, see the uh, year-round uh, gasoline, they use conventional gasoline, then they have a, a 10% ethanol put in, into, the, into the car. Uh, it used to be seasonal, but now it's not. It's uh, year-round, so whether you like it or not, you're going to get 10% ethanol in your tank. And so mm-hmm. prices will mm-hmm. continue to be reduced. The difference why you see price difference throughout Tucson is if uh, if if a major uh, store has a financial means to purchase gasoline, they can buy what they call tenders. They'll say... Uh, Simmons Oil, we want to buy a million gallons of gasoline. And you can lock in that price, and then they'll receive all that fuel until all their, all their inventory is consumed. But, but the good news is prices will continue to increase. Jess, I want you to hang on through the break. Can you? Well, not a problem. All right, you hang on through the break. we got to take a break right here at the top of the hour. You listen live to the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show, right SPNTucson.com, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. Uh, join us down here, 520-719-1490. Jesse, we'll be right back. You hang on. I've got about a 10,000 other 